Welcome to another insightful episode of Grandma Says. And here's Grandma. How to get your baby to sleep through the night. Uh, in reference to newborns. Welcome to Grandma Says. First, you want to find out why your kid isn't sleeping. And before I get into this, let me reiterate I'm talking about newborns. Because if you're talking about a three-year-old's, um, what I'm going to tell you has probably nothing to do with an older kid. This only pertains to newborns. Okay. First, you want to find out why your kid isn't sleeping. So you put them down and then observe the behavior. And when I say down, I mean lay them wherever they normally sleep and then watch. If your child is squirming around, like if they're pushing, kicking, scooting, the number one reason is they need to exercise. I know most people are, oh, it's a newborn. I don't have a treadmill for a newborn. Not that kind of exercise. Oftentimes, children store up too much energy during the day and they need to exercise. So what that means is instead of just letting them sit and lounge on your lap all day, pick them up and, and you know, hold their head and everything and let them move their legs up and down and bounce them around a little, not too much. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not a jumping bean. Um, Move their legs up and down while they lay down like you're uh, kind of like the motion that you'd use for a sit-up only in reverse. So like if you hold their ankles and lift their knee up towards their chest and then bring it back down gently or move their arms and bring them up and back, you know, general, general exercises, but on the baby scale. That will help to remove some of the extra energy. Um, playing with them, getting them to follow objects with their eyes, getting them to reach for things, or if they're big enough to where they're able to lay on their tummy or roll over, put something where they can try to scoot and reach it. <laughs> Little things like that. It doesn't take hours. It doesn't even take all day. You can probably do this in increments of five minutes or less. Um, you want to mess around with them in that regard until they start to show signs of sleepiness or where they're starting to yawn a lot. Another reason for all the pushing and kicking, they could have issues with fabric that they are laying on or the smell of whatever it is they're laying on. You have to understand that with children, newborns, the only real communication and connection they have are with things that they can smell and things that they can feel. And they're only gonna feel it against parts of their body that's not covered, like their hands, arms, and face. Because most kids are wearing onesies and PJs and they can't feel a thing <laughs> on the rest of their body, but their face, their hands and, and so forth can. Um, if it's an issue with fabric, that's going to be a little bit hard to tell unless unless they viscerally react to it. Um, like in some cases, cotton tends to hold heat. So if they're already a, a child that's typically hotter, then you lay them on cotton all the time then it's increasing their body temperature and they're sweating and they don't like it. Um, you know, if you're wealthy enough to deal with silks, then good on you and the kid. <laughs> but if not, polyester is a very similar problem with polyesters and silks, though, is that they're going to slide all over the place. <laughs> so if you've got a squirmy kid, you might not want to use a lot of it, but it could just go right under the face. Um in which case, you probably have a prima donna baby, and <laughs> good luck. <laughs> but believe it or not, it can be the fabric. Um, it could also be the smell. If you are using, like, 
like if you're a smoker, a lot of times babies really don't like the smell of, of cigarettes and tars and tobaccos. All that smell is too harsh. So if it's in their bedding, they may be trying to move away from it because of the scent. Um, and some fabrics, again, will cause heat or cold. If they are too hot or too cold, you may want to try changing their clothes or the type of fabric the clothes are made of. Or let them just sleep naked, well, with a diaper. <laughs> um, Another reason for rooting and squirming and pushing around is there may be too many items on their bed and they don't want to be touched. There are kids who really don't like to be touched or held. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just part of their developing personality. In which case, move the items away from them and then see if they'll go to sleep. Uh, in some cases, you may need to resume swaddling. Now, I'm going to give my little opinion on the swaddling and on kids who need to be swaddled. Uh, and this is not an, a popular opinion, but I'm going to give it anyway, because it's what I have observed over years and years of working with kids. Kids who have to be forced to sleep, and that's what I consider swaddling, is a form of force. It's almost like a straitjacket for babies. <laughs> they are usually showing signs of defiance at a very early age. And what they'll do is they'll hit themselves or they'll knock themselves into things in order to stay awake, even though they know it's time to go to sleep. Now, there's a variety of reasons for this. And, you know, I kind of, upon observation, I'm going to, I'll put it this way. When it's a child that does it on occasion, then it may not be their fault. If it's a child that does it all the time, then you may have, you know, what they call a, um, I wouldn't say obstinate, but somewhat, um, maybe a little bit defiant, you're, you're basically going to need a firmer hand with a child who starts off this way. Because most kids understand they need to sleep. Even at that age, they know they need to sleep. They're sleepy. They're mad because they can't sleep. They want you to help them sleep. Um, so if they're doing things to make themselves stay awake, then they are going against their own best interest and they're pissing you off in the long run. <laughs> but we'll get into that in another video when we get over into talking about swaddling and, and how that relates to discipline later on in life. Okay, second observation of behavior, if they're making weird noises, but they're not crying. Oftentimes, this is a sign of discomfort or pain. You want to check their temperature, you want to soothe the gums, you may want to burp them or rub their back, try to encourage farting or belching. You want to check the tongue. If the tongue is super white, it could be thrush, or it could be milk that is too thick. And if the milk is too thick, it's going to lead to the things I just mentioned, the, the tummy issues. Um, it is really hard to diagnose thrush. Uh, thrush is a sign of infection. And that's when the tongue has turned almost completely white. It's almost like cottage cheesy white. Um, so I'll cover that more in another podcast when, I, when talking about like infections and troubleshooting, when to see a doctor, that sort of thing. Um, because although thrush is a sign of infection, in small children, it's not, it's not like a detrimental sign. It is kind of like an early stage. Same like if your child is, is getting warmer and warmer, it doesn't become a problem until they start to get close to spiking a fever. Now it's a problem. Whatever you're doing isn't working. You need to see a doctor. Um, and lastly, there's crying. And this is the most common thing that keeps babies awake. Um, now, back to my saying things that are controversial. First, babies are smarter at birth now than they were 30 years ago. 
I know. So, oh my God, that's not true. Yes, it is true. Trust me. I've been watching kids a very long time. A long time ago, if you picked up a baby without bracing their head in exactly the right angle, that little sucker looked like a bobblehead and it was going to fall off and roll down the street. <laughs> Babies now tend to, you know, even if their head moves a little bit, they have more control over it than they did a long time ago. Uh, babies are able to push themselves up faster than they used to. Most can roll over. Most of them can even look at you and identify faster than they could back when, you know, you had to kind of talk for them to even know you were standing there. Um, so they are developing faster. I'm not, I don't know if it's genetics. I don't know what it is, but I do know that they are different today than they were um, a long time ago. Okay, so there's some pros and cons with this, but we're going to concentrate on the cons because we're talking about what keeps the child up at night. One major con is that because they can learn faster and they do, they also learn how to manipulate at an earlier stage. Um, once they know that crying equals pick me up, they're going to cry more. Once they know that crying means give me a bottle, they're going to cry more. So here's an old trick. Crying should equal diaper change. Now, you don't have to actually change the diaper. Just open it and go through the motions. You know, open the diaper, wipe them with a baby wipe and close the diaper. Um, do this until they associate crying with diaper change, not crying to get a reward. Now, uh, you know, unlike in the old days when you couldn't tell how much a child ate, so you had to guess at it and you weren't sure if they're crying because they're really hungry and so forth. We can measure and gauge all that now. The bottles have measurements on them. We know how, unless they're breastfeeding, you know how much the child just ate. If they didn't vomit, it means whatever they ate is still in their gut. Um, so there's no need for the child to tell you when they want to eat. It's now you telling them when they're going to eat by measuring the food in advance and then estimating how much they need to eat in order to stay healthy. Um, there, some children will cry and scream and then once you feed them, they're going to cry for more. You feed them more and all they're going to do is vomit it back up, but still cry for more because, well, it's all they have to do is eat, <laughs> sleep and poop. Um, now, in order for this system to work, you do have to do your part first. So first you want to measure and make sure they're getting full and not vomiting up what they ate. And therefore, they're not really hungry. Make sure they're clean and comfy before bedtime. A warm bath, a warm bottle. It should all signify that it's time to sleep. And once they're asleep, be courteous those first few nights. Reduce stimulation, like, you know, cut down the noise, turn off the lights, you know, cut back the talking or slamming of doors. Um, now, you do want to slowly reintroduce stimulation over time so your kid won't wake up at every noise as they grow older. And we'll get into that in another podcast. And be mindful of temperature. If it's too hot or it's too cold, do the same things for your child that you do for yourself. If you're hot, you remove some of the clothes or the blankets. If you're too cold, you put on more clothes or a blanket. Uh, there really are no excuses for a child to not sleep. So basically, if they cry, you change them. After about a week or less, the crying should stop. Um, you know, unless they really love the way that you put on that diaper. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they once they start associating crying with diapers, then they should stop all the crying. The other key is no bottles after bedtime. 
there should get their last bottle, which signifies this is enough food. We are done feeding. It's time to sleep. Now, if your child is over two or three months old and they're not sleeping, um, I'm going to mention something <laughs> uh, that some of you may find controversial. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, in the old movies where it's always when there's ghosts or spirits and crap around and, and kids can always see it, but adults can't, there is some truth behind this. And sometimes there are things that we can't see that babies and small children can't. Now you don't have to believe me. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's entirely up to you. Um, now, I'm not going to get into what these things are because it depends on your belief system as how you're going to decide what they are. But the point is that when a child, because a child can see it and we can't, um, these things can often interfere with their ability to sleep, as in they can wake up or annoy them or scare them. Um, you know, the whole monster under your bed thing, it's a little too common for it to not be true. I'm not saying they're monsters. I'm just pointing out that kids see things that we don't. Now, how do you know if that's the issue? If your child is falling asleep as an infant and then they jolt awake a lot and it's not a tummy issue, they're not gassy, they're not jolting awake and burping, they're just jolting awake, um, that means that something else is, is bothering them. If their eyes are darting around, if they look like they're looking at stuff that you can't see or they're staring at one spot for long periods of time, then you could have invisible guests that are calling that are you know causing issues. Um, so, how do you stop it or get rid of it? Because for babies, this is the equivalent of night terrors or nightmares for older kids. The easiest cure is to talk to your child, get them to focus on you or your voice. You can sing to them. You can play music that's calming. Um, you can hold them, you know, hold them in a way that if they're trying to look at whatever it is they think is in the room, put their focus back on your face so that they can't see whatever it is. Because they're still babies, so you can guide which way their head goes. Um, and then you calm them, hold them, let them know they're safe and protected, and then put them to sleep. Now, another thing is keep a light blanket over them if you find that they're having that jolt reaction, which means whatever it is, it's actually able to touch them. So with the light blanket over top of them, whatever it is won't be able to touch their skin, so it's not going to jolt them awake. Now, I know some people are going, oh, my God, the lady's on the deep end. And, yeah, you can think what you want, but that is true. <laughs> that is a reality. Um that there are things that you can't see that are going to interfere with your kids. And sometimes it could be something you can see, like insects. Uh, not, you know, not to scare anyone, but there are tiny insects that can bother kids, you know, lice and gnats and God knows what else. Although that should not be an issue for newborns. We'll get into that in another video. I'm sorry, podcast. Ah. Okay. And of course, for those of you who practice uh, spirit-related things, then do a house cleansing, you know, burning sage or incense or whatever it is that you do, then do it. Now, my last point when it comes to dealing with things that you cannot see, do not overreact um, to spirits that or things that may be trying to interfere with your children. They're messing with, you, with your kid because they want your attention. And if you give them too much attention, they'll keep messing with your kids. So you want to stop the cycle as soon as you notice that it's a cycle. Um, now, if you want to talk to them, then give them another outlet so that they'll stop using your kid as the medium. 
Uh, let's see. I think that covers the basics. So, um, yeah. So if you follow the, the basic things I told you, then you should only take a few days to a week and your kids should be sleeping through the night. Um, you know, if there's something else going on, then we can discuss other cures. But for the most part, most babies are waking up at night because a something's agitating them. B they are just, you know, controlling you by telling you, I want to eat and I'm going to eat now. (laughs) Um, you know, or there's too much stimulation. So, you know, once you take care of those things, then your kid should be sleeping all night. And that's all I have to say about that. And I'll see you on the next podcast.